0: morning we continue our our study of the book of Jonah, easy for me to say, and today we are in Jonah chapter 2. Turn there, please. Before I read, I just want to remind you, if you're visiting with us, or perhaps you've been away the last couple of weeks uh, vacationing. We are working through our study of the book of Jonah. Uh, This series we are doing is is geared towards our children who are our older class that's staying upstairs for the summer. And um, so we're getting a little crazy with PowerPoint and technology and things like that. So uh, bear with me if we have any issues. I uh, confessed last week that I am horrible at this, but at the same time, I know that it is helpful sometimes to have visuals to follow along with. So Lord willing, this would uh, go well. Uh, So uh, here we find ourselves in Jonah chapter two. I'm going to read that and pray, and then we will dive in. Jonah chapter two, beginning at verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet shall again, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple." The water, cl- waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I love the Bible. (laughs) Let us pray together. Lord, as we consider this powerful chapter from your word, Lord, I pray that by the work of your Holy Spirit that you would grant us a holy moment together as your church. May the focus be upon who you are and what you've done Lord, I I pray that technology would be a help today, not a distraction from the truth. Lord, I, I pray for young and old, Lord, that you would allow us to think seriously and deeply about your word. And yes, Lord, where necessary, help us to repent, that you would be glorified in our lives. Help me, I pray, to speak clearly and help my dear brothers and sisters to listen faithfully that your word would not return void in our lives and you would receive the glory and the honor that is due your name. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So as we begin this morning, I know there are some faces here that were not here last week, it would be wise for us to take a moment to reflect on how Jonah got here. Here is in the belly of the big fish, even if you were not here last week, undoubtedly you at least have an idea of what we're talking about. Jonah is probably one of the most well-known stories in the Old Testament. We know in Jonah chapter one, verses one and two, God called Jonah to go to, uh, to, to the people of Nineveh and, and preach a message of judgment. We know that Nineveh was a, was a great city in Assyria, probably the greatest city uh, city at that time, and the Assyrians were enemies of the Israelites. When God gave Jonah this call, he wasn't telling him just to go down the road and preach to other Israelites. He was, he was calling him to go to the most brutal people alive at that time to preach a message of God's judgment. So we can, we, we can forgive Jonah if he's a little hesitant to, to, to jump right into this call in, upon his life, right? I mean, these were people who, when they would conquer their enemies, would, would parade the, the bodies of those that they had defeated, the, the leaders through the city. They, they would do other gory things that, that, that I won't focus on this morning, but because we have the children with us, but they were not nice people. One king actually decorated the inside of his castle with the, with the blood of his defeated foes. These were not good people, and Jonah hated them because the Assyrians were his enemies. So what does Jonah do? He, he disobeys, right? He, 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 he doesn't just not go to Nineveh, he actually gets on a boat to go the opposite direction. Now that's important that we remember that. By way of reminder, now remember we in chapter two Jonah's in. The belly of the fish. So I don't have a lot of slides to show you this morning as far as maps and things like that. And, and quite honestly, there weren't a lot of good pictures on the internet of the inside of a fish. But, but, but by way of reminder, we will go back to the, to the map. Now, this is Israel. Judah would have been south of that. Nineveh is here, 600 miles away. And we learn in Jonah chapter 1 that Jonah got on a boat. It doesn't take a boat to go across dry land to Nineveh, right? Jonah got on a boat and went to Tarshish, which is believed, or was a, a city which is in, or port city, which is in Spain, which is way up here. So he's going about... As far the opposite direction from where God told him to go as you could possibly go. So this, this wasn't just, okay, I'm not going to go. I, I'm going to not go, and I'm going to go so far away, God, that you can't get me there. Now, this is full-blown rebellion. And, and, and last week, as we considered Jonah chapter 1, we focused on one word. That described God, a characteristic of God, and and how He responded to to everyone in Jonah chapter 1. Does anybody remember that word, kids first? Starts with an M. Anybody remember what we learned about God? God's mercy. Who said that? Jonathan, my man. Yes, God's mercy. Jonah chapter 1 is all about God's mercy. We see God's mercy. What did I do? There we go. Jonah's all, all about God's mercy. We see his mercy in his desire to, to send Jonah to the people of Nineveh to, to, to preach a message, calling them to repent of their sins. That was merciful. The people of Nineveh have already hinted at how bad they were. They did not deserve mercy If God had snapped his fingers and and, and caused the, the nation of Assyria to cease from existing, it would have been just. He would have every right to do so. But God showed his mercy to the people of Nineveh. They deserved punishment, but he was willing to show mercy. We saw God's mercy to the sailors in not allowing them to die in the storm. God brought the storm upon the the sea and the ship because Jonah had disobeyed. The, The sailors were doing what sailors do, right? They were taking cargo somewhere. But they were not Israelites, they did not know the the one true God. We learned in the story that they were actually idolaters as well. So if God had caused the the ship to sink, he would have been just to do so. But God showed mercy to the sailors in allowing them to survive the storm. And in fact, revealing himself in such a way that they ended up doing what? They ended up worshipping God at the end of the storm. And finally, we saw God's mercy to Jonah, who was rebelling against God. Now, God could have zapped Jonah the moment he got on the boat. He, he certainly could have let him drown. Drown? Not drowned. Drown? But God showed him mercy through providing the fish which saved his life. So God is a God of mercy. Now, we, we had a, a very simple definition of mercy, right? God's mercy is, the, the, is kindness or compassion shown to someone else who does not deserve it by someone who is in a, a greater position. God was in the, the greatest position to, to judge and would have been right to do so but he showed mercy rather than judgment to those who deserved it. So chapter 1 is all about God's mercy. As we get to Jonah chapter 2, we're going to see how God's mercy changes Jonah. This This is huge. Mercy again is showing someone love and kindness to someone who does not deserve it. Jonah deserved to drown, but but because he had rejected God. But God's mercy was was seen in the fish. That that's an act of uh, of salvation, not of judgment. The the being swallowed by a fish. And and as we get to Jonah chapter two, what we find is is Jonah's prayer, or that's uh, actually a psalm of thanksgiving for for God's mercy in saving him. I, I mentioned that that. that that Jonah's prayer is also a psalm of of thanksgiving because it it really follows five ingredients of a a psalm of thanksgiving. Okay, you you see this in the the book of Psalms. We actually did a a psalm or two of thanksgiving back when we studied the psalms uh, a year ago. But but the five ingredients of a psalm of thanksgiving are as follows. First of all, there's the, the opening statement of God's rescue. We saw that in verse two of Jonah chapter two. Then we see a description of the psalmist's misery before being rescued, and we see that in verses 3 through 6. And then we find also a description of the psalmist's appeal for rescue, verse 7. And then a statement of God's response or a rescue to that appeal. We see that in verses 6 and 9. And then you see a closing vow for future faithfulness and ongoing worship. And and that's laid out clearly here in verses 8 and 9. I want you just to have that in your mind as we work through this psalm. Because Jonah was a prophet. And so as he recounts this story of God's mercy to Nineveh, he's doing it for who? For the people of Israel. This story exists to, to, to tell us more about God, but, but Jonah also recounted all of this so that the people of Israel would have a reason to remember to give thanks to God in the midst of whatever situations they would face as a nation. Does that make sense? It's not just tacked in here for us now. It certainly benefits us, but, but Jonah had his own people in mind when he wrote and when he recounted what what happened in his life with God's call to Nineveh. And and, and chapter 2 serves as a reminder to his own people, who we know as we study the the, the Old Testament, they faced a lot of trials, did they not? And, And God wanted them to know, and Jonah wanted them to remember, that they should give thanks to God even in the midst of trials. And that is certainly a lesson that we would do well to learn also brothers and sisters we can and we should give thanks to God in all circumstances parents I want you to remind our children I want you to remind your parents that this afternoon mom dad grandma we can give thanks to God in every circumstance every situation let's consider first of all Jonah's distress, verses 1 through 6. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. it would not be an understatement to say that Jonah was in deep trouble. Right? Verses 3 through 6 really are a description of Jonah's descent from when he was thrown overboard into the waves and the billows. Remember we saw that in chapter 1 to to his beginning to to sink down till so he finally makes it to the the bottom of the sea. It's a it's a pretty powerful description. Now this is a picture actually of a part of the ocean floor of the Mediterranean Sea. Now it doesn't do justice to the different types of terrain that you see there but you can see seaweed and a really ugly looking fish but you also see that it's rocky and and as I was looking at different pictures and most of which were like copyrighted uh, of the sea floor there there really are a lot of different terrains there as you get deeper and further out to sea in the Mediterranean Mediterranean Sea. And as Jonah describes going down to the base of the mountains and the seaweed, the the ocean floor uh, at at many parts of the Med Sea is covered with seagrass and things like that. And so it really is a a powerful description of Jonah recounting what was happening to him. Sinking so low that that, that even the seaweed seemed to, to close up above him as he's coming to the end of his life. This is this is graphic and, and and powerful. Jonah literally was about to die. Okay? He he's not waxing eloquent about his circumstances. You yeah, we, we talk about that. You, some of you who, who, who are looking forward to lunch right now, maybe your stomach is starting to, to grumble, and, and by the time I'm done, you're going to be thinking, oh, I'm starving, I've got to go home and eat. You're, you're not really starving, you're, you're, you're hungry, your, your stomach might be empty, but you're not literally starving. Jo- Jonah's not saying, well, I was about to drown, and he's in a foot of water and he swallowed a little bit. He is literally drowning. And if you've ever been at that point, if you've been in the water where you've needed to be rescued or, or, or gotten yourself into trouble swimming in open waters and, and taking water in and, and begin to, to feel that panic of, of thinking you're not going to make it, it is terrifying. As a former lifeguard and someone who did open water rescues, I can tell you it is, it is terrifying. It can be frightening even trying to help someone in that situation. Sheer panic because you think the end of your life is near. And so we cannot minimize Jonah's circumstances because if we do, we will not appreciate the significance of God's rescue. I'm not beating a dead horse here. I want you to to to, to feel, in a sense, what Jonah was going through. That, that certainly leads us to to understand his cry for help in verse seven, right? When when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. We 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 could see that 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 he's probably being a little eloquent there. I, I doubt that's what how he thought of it when he was going down. Oh Lord, I'm going to. My life is fainting away. <laughs> no, probably was praying what many of us pray often in our lives when, when it seems like things are spinning way out of control. Lord, help me. Those are acceptable prayers to God. You need to remember that. We're not, we're, we're, when we feel that we are at the end of ourselves or we're in situations that are out of our control, there is nothing wrong with those short Sincere cries for help. Because it reveals that we understand there's only one who can help us. Jonah, at the point of death, is crying out to the Lord for help. But remember why Jonah is here. Remember, we talked about last week, what might have happened had Jonah simply told the sailors to to, to turn the boat around? That that's repentance, right? That's that's turning away from his sin of, of running away from God's word, God's will for him, God's call on his life. H- had the boat turned around, might Jonah had not need to be thrown into the sea, but but rather than than than, than repenting then. He wanted to have his life taken from him rather than taking the message of judgment and repentance to the Assyrians. He asked to be in this position. He thought in that moment when the storm raged on, you know what? It would be better to die at this moment than to do what God had called me to do. And so in a sense, God's saying, well, you want to die, pal? This is what it feels like. And like so many situations that we find ourselves in that we don't need to be in, it's often when we are brought low that our eyes become open to reality. Amen? Jonah had to be brought low in order to look to the one who could save him. And and, and Jonah knew That God could save him, because he knew the character of God. Last week, I alluded to 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 Jonah chapter four, verse two, as the reason that God didn't want to take that Jonah didn't want to take God's message to the Ninevites. And it's simple. We'll we'll see this when we get to chapter four. Jonah talking to God says, "This I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love." Jonah didn't want to take the, the, the message from God to the Ninevites because he knew that if they repented, God would forgive them. And as we get to chapter 4, we, we see Jonah throwing a little pity party. He still got a lot of growing to do. But Jonah knew who God was, and so in Jonah's time of need, he knew he could cry out to God. He knew the same God who would forgive the Assyrians would be the God who would show him grace and mercy at his time of need. Children, adults, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of our coming to know who God is as he has revealed himself from his word. It is vital for us if we are going to persevere in this life to know who God is. And not just know who God is because that's who Grandma told you God was, but because you've sought Him out in His Word. You've read His claims about Himself and you have found Him to be faithful and merciful and abounding in loving kindness because that's who he is. The the basis for our ability to to, to pray with confidence, to, to, to stand firm under trial is found in knowing God. That's why I started with Psalm 111, all the the references to to God's testimony and His statutes and and His wondrous things that He's done. Where do we find that? Here, in His Word. Brother Christian, Sister Christian, do you know Him? Do Do you want to know Him? It can't be based on how you feel about him at a given moment. It has to be grounded in the truth of what God has revealed about himself. All of a sudden, dying rather than going to Nineveh was clearly a stupid idea in Jonah's mind. But he knew God well enough to cry out for help. Do we know him well enough to cry out for help, to stand up upon his promises when we are tempted and tried? Do we know him well enough, brothers and sisters? Do you know that he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love god's love for you is abounding it is spilling over it is all over your life that you experience it even in your darkest hour brothers and sisters the distress was real the the the, the appeal to god was sincere And it led to his repentance and God's deliverance in verses 8 through 10. Jonah continues, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land now last week kids we, we we learned what mercy is this week it 's important for us to learn a a new word and adults too a, a word that should characterize our life as christians and that that word is repentance it 's kind of a, a funny sounding word, but we, we we should consider what is repentance well. Literally, repentance means to to change direction. So if I'm going this way in life and and I realize, wait a minute, this is the wrong direction. If I'm going to repent, but because my mind has changed and I recognize this isn't the way I ought to go, I'm going to turn around and go the other way, that's a a picture of repentance. It's a change in the way we act or that we live that, 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 that comes from a change that takes place in our heart and mind. Jonah knew from the get-go that he was wrong to disobey God, and once he recognized that the fish swallowing him was actually an act of God's mercy, Jonah came to realize that it would be better to stop disobeying God and obey him and honor him by doing what God had called him to do. Now, I'm going to show a couple of pictures in just a moment that really illustrate what our lives look like when there's something wrong in it. Okay? And, and, and I want to start by saying I did not take any of these pictures while I was in North Carolina. And also, I didn't take any of these pictures out of any of your driveways. But, but this is really a picture of what our lives look like when we have unconfessed sin or, or we're going a direction that we ought not go as followers of Christ. We're, we're, we're like the... The, the guy who thought it'd be a good idea to put a, a, a wheel off of a, a hand truck or something underneath his back tire instead of replacing it with a true wheel. Now, he might still be able to get where he's going, but but not the way he ought to, right? Okay. Same thing with the headlights here. That's pretty awesome. Three three flashlights. Okay. You look at that, you know something is wrong. This is my favorite. It didn't come out very good. But this is actually a log that's keeping the, the vehicle steady as he's driving down the road. Now, that one I probably could have taken when I was in North Carolina. But, but, but those are, are, are very real pictures, kids, of, 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 of really what happens when we start doing things our way rather than the right way. Okay, Jonah wanted to do things his way. That didn't end too well. It ended with seaweed wrapping around his head and him thinking his life was over. And, and the answer was to repent, to turn away from that way of living and turn towards what God had called him to. Okay, Repentance would look like a, an actual wheel entire tire for whatever that is up top, uh, a trip to AutoZone for some headlights and a brain transplant for that last one. But, but, but for things to be as they ought to be, Something's got to change, right? The, the same is true in our lives, brothers and sisters, when, when they are marked by sin. And, and the funny or the sad thing is, is that sometimes when we are living in disobedience to the Lord, things like that are obvious about us. To everyone but ourselves. Sometimes we are blinded by the deceitfulness of our sin and, and we don't recognize that, 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 that maybe we need a new headlight or, or, or we need to, to change a certain behavior. And that's where the body of Christ comes in. Loving brothers and sisters who know us well enough to say, listen, you know, I, I, I hear you talking about this or, or I see that you're doing that and, and I'm concerned for you that those decisions might be bringing harm into your life, might be affecting your relationship with God? Have you considered whether or not this is honoring to God, this behavior? Someone loves us new to, enough to do that? That's a call by God to repent, to change, to, to turn away in those situations when we are actually in sin. Brothers and sisters, when when Jonah rebelled against God, he was acting like an unbeliever. That's that's the description there in, in verse eight. He he was just like those who, who, who were paying regard to vain idols, who are who, who who would set aside God's steadfast love in order to to to, to worship another God. But after God rescued him, Jonah chose to worship God instead of continuing in disobedience. Uh, That's a a, a clear picture of repentance for us, brothers and sisters. And and repentance is something that, that should take place regularly in our lives. It's not just for the big disobedience moments that we have. But, but for us but to be being open to and, and, and willing to examine ways in which we are worshiping other things more than we are worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we find those things, that, that's where repentance is needed. Sometimes the, the, the result may look very small in terms of people who look upon our lives, but God is honored as we seek to set Him above everything else that we do. God shapes the way that we relate to one another within the marriage covenant. It shapes how we parent or grandparent. It shapes what type of siblings we are. It shapes the type of employers or employees that we are. It shapes how we relate to our neighbors. It changes everything about us. But it's not, we don't get there overnight. As we look at the life of Jonah, you're gonna see that even though Jonah has a change of heart here, it won't be long before he's struggling with sin again. And and that's a beautiful picture of real life, is it not? Don't don't we wish that we repented once and it was all taken care of? I do. (laughs) But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. So we've learned about God's mercy. We've seen the importance of of repentance in our lives. Let's ask the real question. What does Jonah chapter 2 teach us about God? We we, we need to know God in in order to to have a basis for for trusting Him, to crying out to Him, for, for depending upon Him. Even a basis for our repentance. I'm pretty sure that's not what Jonah looked like. Well, the first thing that we can see from Jonah so far is that God can and and will use the trials we face in life to to draw us closer to him. Now, for Jonah, his trial was the result of his own disobedience, but this does not mean that, that, that God does not use trials that are not a result of our disobedience in our lives for our good. There are, in this group... The majority, if not all of you, could tell stories of how God used trials that you faced in life that, that, that were unrelated to anything that you may have necessarily done wrong, but, but God used those trials in order to strengthen your faith and your confidence in who he is. Some of us would, would be willing also to get up and say, yeah, and, and, and I can also tell you about trials that God used that were a result of my disobedience in order to bring me closer to him. Reflect back, Jonah 4, 2. I knew that you were patient and long-suffering and you abounded in mercy and grace. So God can and will use the trials we face in life to bring us closer to him. Secondly, we learn that that God hears us when we pray in our suffering. You're not just speaking to the ceiling. He hears us at other times as well, but but we often need that reminder during our time of need. God hears us when we call upon him. Third, we see that, that no matter how bad our circumstances may be, we are never out of God's reach. Jonah talks about his life fainting away. He had run out of air. (laughs) Things were growing dim, yet God saved him. Fourth, we see that God is worthy of our gratitude and our worship all the time. Not just when we feel like it. But we find as we worship him, our hearts are changed. And that doesn't always mean that we're walking around the house singing a song or or walking down the hall at work singing a song and I get funny looks that way but we can can, can remember what's true about God and reflect on those things throughout the day. And we might find ourselves singing then. Fifth, we, we need to remember that it's our privilege to serve God and it's an act of His mercy that we're allowed to. God is not lacking something that he decided you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna draw people in and let them tell each other about me he could do it other ways but in his wisdom he chooses to allow us and and what a great privilege it is not just to to bear the name of Christ but to also be able to to show the love of Christ to to a world that desperately needs it. And and have we not been reminded time and time again through the news cycle and through the people that we encounter that, that, that the world needs Jesus? It's the only solution. People throughout history have found ways to harm one another. We live in a culture that celebrates death. How how could we not have any clearer reminder of the importance that we represent Christ well? It's only through changed hearts that hatred and violence comes to an end. And finally, we've learned from Jonah 1 and 2 that God is always in control. The storm was not one that happened to, to blow up when Jonah was out to sea. God created the storm. The fish wasn't just swimming by the bottom of the ocean. And, and it's interesting that, you know, contrary to the pictures that we see, it's not Jonah being thrown out of the, the boat and the fish jumping through the air and, and snatching him up before he hits the water. God allowed him to sink. That fish came along when it did because God created the fish and sent it along when he did. The, 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 the fish puking Jonah up on shore happened because God said so. God is in control. I I don't know what you are facing in your life right now, no matter how big or or, or small or or wherever in between those things that you're facing and you're struggling with may be. God is in control. And if you are His, He wants you to turn to Him in the midst of it. He wants you to, to seek to honor him in the midst of it. And it is not always easy. You know, for some of you, what you need to hear and, and remember from this message, I know I do, is chapter 4, verse 2. I know that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Write that down. You, you want something to, to, to remember about God this week? Write that down and, and pull it out at every idle moment and remind yourself that he's gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And then worship him for it. Next week, we get a, a week off from the, the book of Jonah while our, our children do Park Sunday. But then the following week, Lord willing, we're going to pick back up in in Jonah chapter 3. Jonah's back on track. He's heading to Nineveh. still has a a hike ahead of him. But even in that trip to Nineveh, we see Jonah's repentance because it it wasn't just a, a couple of days walk. He still has hundreds of miles to go. So Jonah has repented, however imperfectly it is, but, but, but let's not minimize the importance of these steps that, that, that are taking place in his life and, and to emulate them in our own lives as well, brothers and sisters. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us as your people to be a, a people who repent well, who worship you for who you are, who, who truly want to honor you with our lives, and who are faithful and fervent in our love for you and one another, and in our witness to this world that so desperately needs you, Lord, as we are reminded yet again, Lord, we pray for our, those people in Texas, Lord, the, the, the families who have lost loved ones, the, the, the trauma that is there. Lord, in this dark hour, Lord, I, I pray that you would reveal yourself to those people in need, that they would come to know you and and the forgiveness and, and the steadfast and abounding love that you offer to all who turn to you in faith. Do this we pray in Christ's name, amen.